Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Ready to rock on this Tuesday evening here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to check out TSN Edge. Go to tsn.ca slash edge for all of your gambling and fantasy sports information. That is TSN's official gambling and fantasy sports information portal. I am Aaron Karolnik, Al's brother, back at the TSN 1050 studios in Agent Court. I believe the power is on tonight. If we're on the air, that's what it means, so that's good news. Also good news, it's a huge night for a gambling degenerate like myself. We're still recalibrating, decompressing, deliberating what happened in week four in the NFL. Looking ahead to week five, Thursday night, Brady versus Foles, a rematch of Super Bowl 52. The NBA Finals goes tonight, game four, and Bam Adebayo back in the lineup. And it sounds, it sounds like Goran Dragic may make his return as well from a torn fascia in his foot. I'm sure that sounds very pleasant. Uh, I don't know how what, what type of shape he'll be in, but he could be back. That, that according to Shams Sharania of Stadium and the Athletics, so that should be interesting. But tonight. The NHL draft just getting underway. It's one of my favorite nights on the sports calendar. And if you've been listening to this show for the last couple of weeks, you know I found a way to get the action flowing. I have my wagers. I'll reveal to you in a moment. But first, let's welcome in the man behind the glass. It's Al's brother. I know Al's brother on your podcasts, your many podcasts, you've been talking and tweeting about the NHL draft. What are your go-to draft props for this evening, my friend? Yeah, I made a couple of wagers here on the draft tonight. Uh, the two big ones that I think I have a pretty good pretty good chance of winning these ones here, but I'm taking Cole Perfetti. I took under four and a half. I think he's yes. got a pretty good shot to land in Detroit. There's some ties there for him. And then the other one, Lucas Raymond, under five and a half. They were really, really good odds. I, I want to say it was like plus 230 to go under five and a half, and I think he's got a good chance to go to Ottawa at five with their second pick there. So those are two that I'm really banking on tonight. Love them both, Al's brother. You mentioned Perfetti. Um, The odds have shifted dramatically in favor of him going number four tonight. It was the underdog prior to the odds being posted a couple of days ago, and as of this evening, the odds probably just closing up. Cole Perfetti, the heavy favorite to go number four, but As we know, the odds are not necessarily the be-all and end-all, but money coming in on Perfetti going number four. And you look at number two, because we know this draft starts at number two with uh, Alexis Lafreniere. He's going number one to the Rangers. Number two, will it be Tim Stutzla, or will it be Quinton Byfield to the L.A. Kings? And there was a massive disparity for months in the gambling odds about this. It was Byfield, Byfield, Byfield. But now it's almost a pick-em between the two. So if you got your bets in on Stutzla, Love saying that name. Stutzla going second. You are a lucky individual because I think there's a very reasonable chance that happens. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, this is a Toronto radio station. They select 15 overall. And if you heard Craig Button this morning on First Up, he identified Braden Schneider, the right-handed shot defenseman, as their as their potential pick at number 15, and the betting odds reflect that. He is the favorite at plus 330. There are a number of others in the mix around the 7-to-1 range who include Seth Jarvis, Dawson Mercer, Caden Gooley, and Dylan Holloway. So 
probably about an hour, hour and 15 minutes from now. We'll see where the Leafs go. But Al's brother, any intel? I know you're, you host many Leafs podcasts. Where do you think the Leafs go at number 15? Braden Schneider seems to be the pick that everyone seems to go with. I kind of think that they may just, like, I know that Duba said he wants to go best player available. And if that happens, I could see a, a couple of these guys kind of fall who are supposed to be kind of top 10, 12 picks and fall to them at 15. And there's going to be a really good player, possibly a guy like Anton Lundell. Possibly the goaltender gets there. I don't think he will. But if he is there at 15, you got to think that the Leafs got to think real hard about taking him and locking him up to for him to be the goalie of the future. But I think Schneider is probably the best bet right now. That is Askarov, the goalie, a guy who... That that seems to be the player that no one really knows where he will land. It could be at 4, it could be at 14. A huge disparity of opinion when it comes to Askarov, and that's something we'll be tracking throughout the evening here on the edge. So, Game 4 of the NBA Finals tonight. The Lakers are up 2-1, a huge Game 3 performance from Jimmy Butler. And the point spread in this series, I heard on Overdrive they were talking about the point spread with Odog and Hayes. It's been a roller coaster. In Game 1, the Lakers were 4.5-point favorites. Then they smashed the Heat in Game 1. And there were injuries to Adebayo and Goran Dragic. Went up to 10.5 in favor of the Lakers. Then Miami to 9.5 in Game 3. And now tonight, Bam Adebayo will play. Goran Dragic questionable. We'll see probably in about an hour's time if he will play the Lakers. Down to 7.5 point favorites. And I cannot wait for this game. I, I think it's going to be another classic. Because what we saw from Jimmy Butler in Game 3 was nothing short of legendary. I mean, he was the first player in NBA Finals history to outscore, out-rebound, and out-assist LeBron James in a Finals game. And that's remarkable that that's never happened until Game 3 of the NBA Finals, and the guy to do it was Jimmy Butler. We'll talk a ton of NFL throughout the evening. Davis Sanchez, the wise guy, will join me in about five minutes' time. He was 3-0 and with his picks on TSN Edge this week, and a man who is not 3-0 is yours truly, Al's brother, because in our Pound the Table Picks of the Week segment with yourself and the Grappler, I went 0-2. 0-2. A very humbling afternoon for myself. You and the Grappler, I believe, were 1-1, and correct? Uh, yes, we were 1-1. and The uh, Vikings screwed me over once again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's what you get for picking the Vikings. I, uh, I picked was against like, them both. Oh, weeks. that's that. Oh, that is true. That is true. That is true. I mean, it's uh, it's a tough day. I'm still reeling, but I my I my preparation has never been as strong. And I pledge to our audience to come back stronger and better than ever ahead of the week five slate, which is, to be honest, pretty underwhelming as far as quality of games are concerned. But we'll find a way to make it interesting for you tonight. And that all starts with Davis Sanchez from TSN Edge when he joins me next with his Week 5 early leans. Aaron Korolnik here on TSN 1050. You're listening to The Edge. Word to the wise. It's time to check in with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy. Half man, half amazing. On The Edge with Aaron Korolnik. All right, we're back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050, streaming online, tsn1050.ca. And if you are following, and I hope you are, all of the great content being put out by Davis Sanchez, amongst others, on TSN Edge, you're a little bit wealthier today because Davis Sanchez has been red hot, so much so that I'm staring into the Zoom conversation with Al's brother. On the other side, I can see steam emanating from the phone in which we find Davis Sanchez this evening. 
What's up, Davis? How are you? Terrible, terrible intro. Super lame. I apologize. No, you know what? The opposite. I was about to congratulate on, the, on <laughs> or thank you on the intro. Both the musical suggestion is uh, so legit, and then the intro is nice. There's not uh, not going to be a whole lot of weeks that uh, where where you go and uh, with uh, no L's in the column. But uh, yes, yeah, it's uh, it was a good week, and I got a couple early ones again. I loved, and I'll jump right on this one. Ak, all right. Before uh, on Monday morning this came out, it was and then I hate to say it, but against the Seahawks again, uh, plus seven and a half Minnesota right away instantly. Um, I jumped on it. It's now moved to seven, but that was the one instantly that I I was on uh, as soon as I saw it. Uh, but uh, that we've seen some shift in that one. Well, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have covered all four games this year. They've been a darling for betters, and yeah, you man, you, you look at the disparity. I mean, what we've seen from Minnesota this year has been hit and miss, to say the least, and Seattle's aerial attack, we're talking about Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going alongside Russell Wilson, who's the clear favorite MVP, and again, I don't know what home field really means these days. Is it meaningful at all? I suppose it's a fair question to ask you as a as a former player in the NFL, but I mean, there, there's a, a clear disparity between the quality of these two teams, the Seahawks and the Vikings, and I'm totally with you when it comes to a touchdown yeah. spread. Yeah, I, no, I agree. And, and last week when I said I went against the Seahawks, I, did, I had uh, I had the under in that game, so I wasn't betting against the Hawks, but I did. It was another line where I leaned Miami. I didn't end up playing Miami, but I leaned it just because it's, there's it's so many points in the NFL. There's not that many possessions, and that that's some things that, that I think betters forget about how short the how short the game can be if a team wants it to be and you can really minimize possessions and when i look at that secondary for seattle i just don't see how they keep they do but they're covering these spreads i look at 28 i think it's amadi is his name but he's a he's a safety um slash nickelback and he's lined up in a slot covering whoever is a slot receiver on any passing situations and the guy is getting turned inside out consistently and just from a strictly numbers numbers um, plus personnel standpoint, I just see if you can score 21. I mean, now you talk about Seattle's got to put up four touchdowns or, or three three plus a field goal to, to cover. It's just a lot. It's a lot to cover and a lot to, to overcome. And I just can't uh, at seven. I don't like it, but at seven and a half, I love it. And I I seem to see a lot like that. Same thing with Atlanta last night. It was uh, I love the number. And then as soon as I saw the two two more DBs get injured from the Falcons, then you knew Aaron Rodgers was going to work. I mean, yeah, I mean, and yeah, Atlanta, a very young secondary, and that showed last night. Aaron Rodgers was just slicing and dicing well, them two without more guys. Two more guys got hurt in the first quarter, so they were yeah, already that, in, going yeah. in. Add two more, you're looking at your you got your fifth and sixth DB playing. And all of a sudden, your seventh and eighth are playing. Uh, anyone who was live betting with the fingers would have got sore trying to trying to click more not to mention green bay playing without Devonte adams and alan lazard as well so that just goes to show that uh, the packers an extremely impressive performance last night regardless of the situation Chaz, i want to focus on thursday night for just a little bit it's the first time we've seen tom brady and nick Foles face off since super bowl 52 probably a night that tom brady would like to forget the Buccaneers have been going to be going between a five and a half and six point favorite in Chicago, and I know you were fading the Bears last week uh, with one of your picks in the Colts, uh, something that paid off handsomely for you. 
Where do you see this game falling as far as the spread goes, and what is your early lean for Thursday night football? Yeah, well, your your initial, uh, you, you know, Nick Foles versus Tom Brady, is that is that really a matchup? I, I mean, is it is it just the Chicago Bears and whoever's under center against Brady and the Bucks? That's that's how I see Nick Foles as just a guy, and and I I feel there was a a correction needed in in the marketplace when you know after last week we saw a lot of love for the Bears because of Nick Foles, and it, I, I thought a lot to do with that, and and you might agree with this. Or disagree, but it was because of the hate towards Mitch Trubisky, and people oh, yeah. always people don't like Mitch, so they thought that that Nick Foles was the answer. And, and I think, you know, when you when you look at and you watch uh, Nick Foles play last week, he I think he was a downgrade to Mitch Trubisky. And not that Mitch is amazing, but at least with the mistakes you get with Mitch Trubisky, he also has a, an upside of, with some athleticism and and a bigger arm and and you know those type of things. That this line, I think, is. It's probably going to get to six. I mean, if if it's I see it at five right now. At most places I know there's some five and a half and sixes out there. Uh, I think it. I think it. If you like, if you like the Bucks, you, you better take it at five. I think it gets to six by. I think it holds tight at six or six and a half by game time. It won't get to seven because um, even I would have to take Nick Foles at seven. But uh, anything under seven, I'm not touching this game right right now. But I would lean. Uh, I would lean Tampa Bay anything under seven. I think it holds tight around six, six and a half. What are your what's your thoughts on this one? Well, of course, we're talking with Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge. The game that the, the I guess the prop that I'm looking for in this game, Davis, is the under. And the Bears' defense has been staunch against the pass all year. Brady. Yeah, he had five touchdowns last week. I don't know what was going on in that game because in the first half, they were doing nothing offensively, and all of a sudden, it was just a massive output. But the thing I'm tracking closely, and I'll be watching throughout the week, is the Buccaneers wide receiver group. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, and Justin Watson did not practice today. It's a short week for them. We know Godwin missed last week with a hamstring. We know Evans has been banged up. We know that O.J. Howard is out with a torn Achilles for Tampa Bay. So the under is the over-under is 44.5 points. We know Foles can't score. And whatever Justin Herbert did last week was extremely impressive. I don't see Nick Foles replicating it. That could be the only play uh, for me uh, at this moment. But that could change, as it will, throughout the week. Davis, I want to get your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. And they've been the talk of the football world for the wrong reasons. Their defense, absolutely horrible. They're giving up seemingly 40 points every single week, yet they are nine or nine-and-a-half-point favorites. That, do I even need to finish the sentence? Yes, they're playing the New York Giants, but they've been so bad, so just so disappointing so far this year. Where do you see this line falling, and do you have an early lean? Would you take the Cowboys with the points, or would you fade the Cowboys, who still seem to be a public team? You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I was just going to say they're the Cowboys are a public team. They don't they don't seem nothing. They're a public team, and so you know when you have the narrative around the Giants, which is uh, they're not good, their record's not good, and 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 also people uh, there's not a lot of lot of backers with the Giants. I, I could I could see this number getting to getting to ten. I could I could see it. I would go back to the. Um, what I said earlier, if you like, if you like this, similar to Tampa Bay, if you if you like this number now, we're talking on a Tuesday. This is something that uh, you want to get in now for the Cowboys because it it could possibly go to ten. And I, it's it's a number that on a letdown spot, I would never want to lay this much uh, on a letdown spot. But this is a you know, and it, the Cowboys who need 
it's a must it's a must win not just for and it's a must win in a decisive manner and that that matters in in when we're talking about um you know place, placing wagers and and looking at these numbers it matters on you know what teams need to work on and what they're trying to do and that i think that's important when you you know for the cowboys it, you know if they're up by 10 or 14 in 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 early in the fourth quarter or or up by 17 early in the fourth quarter and they're and they're 4 and 0 ak it's a different story. Oh yeah, you know, they, they take their foot off the gas. They can, and that's just because the you know the whole atmosphere, energy within your team and, and your locker room, and then you you can ease off. But you know, I, I would expect that you know if the Cowboys are up by fourteen in the fourth quarter or seventeen, they they keep piling it on, or they don't want to give up any points, and they keep their guys in, and any of those factors that play into getting backdoored. Uh, when a team needs a win and they need some some feel good. Um, a backdoor touchdown wouldn't bother, you know, the Buffalo Bills right now, or wouldn't wouldn't bother some of the other teams that are the other teams are playing good football right now. But but a team that needs some some uh, feel good around their locker room, I, I think you're in you're a better spot to lay those big numbers with teams that need need these uh, these wins and also you know the good stuff that comes with it. He is Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge. Check out all his great work on SportsCenter, tsn.ca, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere you can see content. Davis Sanchez brings it to you, and we thank you, my man, for joining us this evening here on The Edge. I appreciate you. Have a great week. All right. Thank you very much. That is Davis Sanchez, of course, uh, from TSN Edge. Uh, Al's brother, you're going to have to confirm for me, but did Tim Stutzla go second overall in the NHL draft? Has that been has no, that been done yet? It has not been done yet. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere has officially gone number one. L.A. is currently on the clock. All right, ooh, all right. I'm getting. A, I got a little antsy there. I got a little antsy. I saw some things on Twitter that may not have uh, been confirmed to this point, but we will keep you apprised of the latest with the NHL draft throughout the evening. But coming up next, I have some serious problems with injury with my fantasy football team. Nick Chubb. And Austin Eckler, Julio Jones going down last night. What to do, how to replace them. We talked to John Daigle of NBC Sports Roto World when we return here on The Edge. Back here on The Edge, here on TSN 1050. We're streaming live at tsn1050.ca. We're tracking the NHL draft, which is going down right now. Quinton Byfield going second overall to the LA Kings. Very disappointing for myself. I may have had a wager on Tim Stutzla going second overall, but we're on to bigger and better things. And the better things include John Daigle from NBC Sports Roto World, who hosts a great, great podcast, the Roto World Football Podcast. He's going to help us and help me figure out what to do with all my injuries with my fantasy squad, and he joins us here on The Edge. What's up, John? How are you? I'm doing great. My Mondays and Tuesdays are spent helping people fill out from waivers so don't worry you're not <laughs> i see your twitter man and I, I listen to a lot of your content you guys do an amazing job and the depth and the Thank detail you. by which you guys break it down is incredible and we need to start with a couple of running backs of course nick chubb austin eckler they go down on sunday for extended periods of time where can fantasy owners including myself get some relief from the waiver wire if it exists so let's start with Justin Jackson, who even came in off the bench for Austin Eckler and played 40% of Los Angeles snaps 
behind Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly actually outcarried him nine to six and out targeted Justin Jackson three to two. But Justin Jackson was still actually involved. Like he still actually ran nine routes to Kelly's 13 routes. And that's the kind of information we want to look at for fantasy behind the scenes because it tells us how players are being used, not just if they happen to get the ball. And so what that tells us is that we think Eckler's role will actually be split. Kelly was still being used inside the 10-yard line over Eckler, so his touchdown equity, is, of course, is much higher. But if Justin Jackson has the upside of a pass-catching running back, that's the one we actually want to prioritize on waiver wires over the option replacing Nick Chubb. So we would look to Justin Jackson in this situation. Also remember, Kelly fumbled twice the past two weeks, and so that could be open a door for Jackson further moving on. As for Nick Chubb, though, it would be Dearness Johnson. There's a lot to unpack, though, there, because Kareem Hunt was quietly mispracticed on both Wednesday and Thursday and then got in a limited session on Friday and thus came into the game against the Cowboys, destroyed their front seven, as every team has seemed to be doing, and but only got 11 carries. And that's very unlike Kareem Hunt's role in this offense. Dearness Johnson actually came off the bench for Nick Chubb and got a team-high 13 carries. So I think we should actually temper our expectations and our waiver priorities because Dearness Johnson will likely fall back into a 70-30, 80-20 role. And the issue with spending a lot of fab on him is that the Browns also play the Steelers and the Colts, two of the top rushing defenses in the league over the next two weeks. So you can't really start a backup running back right against those guys. So that's why I'm wary about Johnson's role. I'm wary about what's been going on with Kenyon Drake out in Arizona. A lot of people had very high hopes for him this year. He is certainly underwhelmed to this point. I mean, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins were rolling early the last couple weeks. Not as much. What do you make about Drake's present and future as a number two running back, I think you could say, on your fantasy roster? Correct, yes. Uh, and he was drafted by a lot of people, myself included, throughout the offseason as an RB1. But this past week saw Drake have 13 touches to Edmonds' nine, which is the closest margin they've had in any game all year. And the worst that Drake continues performing, now they are admittedly not putting him in a good position. They're asking him to run between the tackles and their offensive line, which is young and injured, is unsurprisingly struggling. So it's a tough spot to be in altogether. But Cliff Kingsbury did come out and say on Tuesday that he personally wants to get Drake involved. Since Drake only has five targets all year, and remember, Drake averaged averaged five targets per game when he joined the Cardinals over the last half of the season last year. So I am actually, it's kind of scary to say, because I want your your listeners to be in a good spot for their fantasy teams, but I am actually buying Drake low. I'm still high on him, and I'm very high on this offense, who should be healthy in a couple weeks when both DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk are back to full cylinders. Well, if there's any remedy for a struggling offense, it's a matchup against the New York Jets, which is what Arizona has to look forward to. So perhaps that can uh, kind of calm the fears of Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kenny and Drake owners. John Daigle from NBC Sports Roto World, our guest here on The Edge. And last night on Monday Night Football, we should have seen an exhibition of incredible wide receivers in that Green Bay-Atlanta game. But we saw Devontae Adams ruled out early. We saw Julio Jones 
leave with yet another hamstring injury. Calvin Ridley had no catches dealing with a hamstring injury of his own. John, if you had to rank these three from a level of concern point of view, how would you do it? Well, most frustrating was that at halftime we got a report from Dan Quinn, not before the game, not during the weekend, but at halftime that Julio Jones was only going to be used situationally in that game anyhow, as he still is banged up with that hamstring injury. So we genuinely don't know what to do about Julio Jones moving forward unless we get better reporting on him. Uh, Having said that, since he was going to be limited anyhow and then was rolled out for the second half, my initial analysis is that he will be fine. Will he be limited in week five? Perhaps. And that's what's scary. But I think he'll still be available this week. Calvin Ridley's – the thing is, Calvin Ridley was still out there as Atlanta's number one receiver. The issue was he was bracketed without elite talent like Julio across the field from him and then, of course, was also still slightly banged up. So on a level of concern, I would say that – uh, I am not concerned about Calvin Ridley, still fantasy's wide receiver one, by the way, through four weeks of the season. Um, and then I am slightly concerned as number two for Julio Jones moving forward. Okay, he's John Dagle from NBC Sports and Roto World. I want to get you out of here on this one, John. And we know that coronavirus is impacting every aspect of our world, and fantasy football, no exception, with a game cancel or a postponed last week, and there was a delay in another game uh, with the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs last night. How would you advise fantasy owners, if it's possible at all, to kind of have contingency plans for what seems to be the inevitable delays slash postponement of games going forward. Is there anything you could recommend them to do? So I am a commissioner in a league, and I usually just run it like a democracy. I, I talk to everyone, and we vote on what seems to be the best outcome for all. In this situation, though, I would say bump back your waivers day if possible, which commissioners can do on every format, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, by going to commissioner tools and setting the date 24 to 48 hours later. That way, giving everyone more time. For instance, uh, Cam Newton, that ruling was one of the biggest of the entire weekend, and that didn't occur till Saturday. So imagine now having a waivers run on Friday night, but still not having a quarterback because of what happens on Saturday. So I would urge everyone to not only push waivers back to Saturday, but also open it up afterwards. If you have a fab bid system, allow for clearance overnight. That way, whenever players are won on Saturday night, People can still pop in and get the leftovers on Sunday morning. That way, everyone is assured a full lineup and not taking zeros. Love it. Makes a lot of sense to me, John. And, um, we appreciate your insight, man. I think you do a fantastic job at Roto World. I love reading your column and listening to your work. So keep up the great stuff, and hopefully we can have you back on down the line. So thank you very much for this. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Let's go win, everybody. Yes, sir. That is John Daigle, and uh, going to win is what I'm sure he does pretty well in fantasy football leagues. That man can break down a football roster, and he knows everything you need to know. So he's highly recommended as a follow for those who are so inclined uh, on the fantasy side of the game. Uh, Drew Dinsick, who covers everything with related to NBA handicapping. We're going to preview Game 4 of the NBA Finals coming up next. And some NFL MVP odds. We're a quarter way through the season. There is one name, and he may play for a particular franchise pretty close to Toronto, as close as it gets when it comes to the NFL. 
His odds intriguing to me. We'll get to that and much more with Drew Dinsick when he joins us here on The Edge. You are listening to The Edge right here on TSN 1050. Of course, we stream online worldwide at tsn1050.ca. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear great guests like our next one. He is the Whale Capper. I need to get into his Twitter handle with him when he joins us in just a moment. He is the co-host of the Deep Dive podcast. Thrilled to welcome in, welcome him into our show this evening. He is Drew Dinsick. What's up, man? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. There's so much going on in the world of sports right now. Love talking to uh, new new audiences and uh, excited to, to dive into some handicapping topics with you guys. Absolutely, my man. Let's start with the NBA Finals because there's been some big news on that front in the last couple of hours. Bam Adebayo, he's going to play, we believe, and it seems like there's a chance that Goran Dragic also suits up. Of course, he has that injury to his foot. And the line now, as I'm looking at it, has shifted to the Lakers minus seven. Throughout the day, it was Lakers minus seven and a half. So clearly money coming in on the Miami Heat. How do you view what's going on with the line, and how do you view this game tonight, Drew? Well, a little bit of this line movement, I think, is um, overreaction. I mean, myself and I think many of the other kind of uh, you know early betters into the market here expected Bam to go. Um, the Dragic news was a little bit of a surprise, but I would expect that if he does get minutes, they're going to be limited and they're not going to be especially effective. Uh, foot injuries are not necessarily something that a player who you expect to uh, kind of be one of your creators off the dribble, uh, you know, that, that's potentially problematic uh, for him to be as explosive and as uh, effective as we've seen him be throughout these playoffs. So uh, I'm okay discounting the Dragic news. Um, and you know, the BAM, BAM news was already built into the number. I mean, this was a three-point adjustment off the last game, uh, and that wasn't all on the back of the way the Heat performed. That was mostly because people were expecting BAM back, and he matters a lot. Um, in fact, I'm surprised that the total didn't uh, adjust more. Um, we've seen this total come up over the last handful of games. Bam is obviously one of the defensive anchors for uh, you know for the Heat, and you know in particular matches up the only guy that realistically matches up well with Anthony Davis. So uh, I was surprised we haven't seen a you know a stronger adjustment down in the total. Um, I personally I make the fair fair total on this one two thirteen and a half. Um, so I got in uh, 219. I see 218s across the board pretty much, right? 218 and a half across the board right now. I think that still presents value to the under. Um, and realistically, uh, you know, these games have slowed to a relatively, you know, a slow pace. Uh, even though they have threatened to, you know, most of them going over or, you know, game three, almost uh, going over the closing total, um, you know, largely on the basis of first half scoring. So uh, I would think given the magnitude of importance of this game, given um, the fact that the Lakers really are relying on just two scorers to drive the entire offense in crunch time, um, you know, that that in in and of itself uh, creates reductions in pace. Uh, You know, each possession becomes more meaningful. Uh, and if this is a relatively close game, I, I actually came into the series thinking advantage was clearly with the Lakers in a close game scenario because they have the two best players. 
Um, but uh, five versus two is a big deal uh, in end-of-game scenarios, and the fact that the Heat are getting contributions from so many players who are on the floor at any given time where the Lakers are really only looking for offense from two players is potentially uh, an advantage for the Heat. So I think that levels the playing field quite a bit in end-of-game scenarios. And, um, you know, the Lakers, we've seen win two games where they had, you know, generated a pretty sizable lead and then just... Uh, you know, comfortably cruise to the finish line. Um, and then in the one game where it was in the balance, uh, you know, the Heat uh, were able to kind of manifest the, uh, you know, the, the, the outstanding play from Jimmy Butler and, uh, you know, combine that with contributions from some of the, some of the role players uh, in a way that I think uh, gives them a fighter's chance in this game four. Um, I personally would love to see the series tied 2-2. I'd like to see this uh, go longer than five games. Um, but, uh, you know, seven and seven, seven and a half points, I think is, is, you know, seven's getting close to fair. I make this a six and a half point game, uh, it was a fair price, but, um, uh, I certainly think, uh, if it is close towards the end of the game, you're going to see, uh, some nice reduction in pace, uh, which will help out the under. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, he, he'd have a fighter's chance here. Drew Dinsick, our guest, he is the co-host of the Deep Dive podcast, and he's the whale capper on Twitter. We'll get to that in a moment. But I want to ask you about the NBA Finals MVP odds. Not surprisingly, LeBron James, the heavy favorite. He's minus 280. Anthony Davis, and I know he was just terrible in Game 3. A lot of that had to do with foul trouble. But he's coming in at plus 230. If you believe the Lakers are going to win the NBA title, like most do, do you see any value to betting on AD as the series MVP? I would say yes to that. And I actually, if you shop around, you can find three to ones out there, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And the disparity in the price between LeBron and AD, given the fact that they kind of performed to a draw in terms of impact in games one and two, their only two wins, uh, I would have thought this should be relatively closer. Um, I mean, AD didn't have a strong statistical performance. Uh, notably, his plus-minus in Game 3 was just awful. Um, and, you know, player, you know, when somebody's looking at kind of the overall performance across all of the you know playoff games, they'll dock him for that, I would say, uh, to a degree. Um, but he is kind of the key to them winning this series just on the basis of he's the, you know, he is the most outstanding mismatch uh, on the floor at any given time relative to who the Heat can have out there in crunch time. So it's you know if if they win games four and five, I would say uh, it's going to be on the back of his performance. And and in that regard, the you know the voters don't love just you know giving it to uh, you know the same old guy who they've given every award to for you know years and years yeah. and years. Uh, yeah. You know they'll give Anthony Davis real consideration. And I think um, you know it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility that he could out perform uh lebron on just from a stats standpoint and, and obviously i mean like I, I i obviously recognize lebron is the most important player on this team there's no doubt about that um but the voters for mvp for the playoffs you know for the finals especially they they tend to isolate the series itself they don't look across the entire breadth of the playoffs they tend to uh you know evaluate specific statistical performances in the games and you know and then and, and look heavily at the wins themselves as opposed to uh you know the averages across all of the playoffs so uh anthony davis is for sure in the mix and um you know it's it's going and and i would even say that uh with a little bit you know it's more more higher confidence than uh you know 3 to 1 that's in, that's implying he only has a 25% chance to win and and that's a that's a stretch to me i think that should be closer to say 40% uh, and so I do. I would agree that has value uh, just from a number standpoint. 
All right, Drew, I want to shift from the NBA to the NFL because I saw the NFL MVP odds come out today, and, of course, we're a quarter way through the season. Not surprisingly, Russell Wilson's the favorite. Patrick Mahomes and the 4-0 Chiefs uh, is coming in at second at plus 550. You have Lamar Jackson. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's been incredible this year. And then I see all the way down at 17-1, to at plus 1,700, Josh Allen. Quarterback for the Bill, for the Bills, who's putting up massive numbers. The Bills are four and zero. Cam Newton, we know we won't see him for a little while with his uh, coronavirus diagnosis. The Bills seem to have the inside sh- inside shot at the at the AFC East title for seemingly the first time in forever. Should we be given more credence to the, to the idea that Josh Allen could be a legitimate contender to win the NFL's MVP, especially at seventeen to one? It's not crazy. It really isn't. You, Thank you. you. No, no one's ever said that to me, so most of my ideas are. <laughs> you dig through the statistics, and he's he's crushing it. There's and it's it's a, it's such a notable improvement over uh, last year, both in terms of his accuracy and how he's operating the offense. Uh, you know, doing he he you know he was. I thought he got deserved criticism over the last handful of years for his inaccurate passing, and you know, kind of made up for that one number one by. Uh, being such an incredible athlete and making plays with his legs, and then number two, just being on a well-coached team with a really strong roster and an incredible defense, and all of that is, uh, you know, is is kind of flipped this year, and they're winning games because of him, not in spite of him. And you know, it's it, it, as you look across some of the just outrageous uh, statistics that you have in you know at the top of the quarterback market. Um, you know, Mahomes, I think, is going to regress to the point where he's not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to hold up his statistics this year compared to say two years ago and say oh he's as good or it's is as strong like it's for sure there's going to be some uh notable reduction uh and uh what we're seeing so far from aaron Rodgers and russell wilson while it is out out of this world impressive um they've played some very 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 poor defenses um both have played atlanta uh you know russell wilson has a game against dallas uh, Aaron Rodgers has games against uh, you know Minnesota and their young cornerbacks and Detroit, so the road will get tougher for these guys. Aaron Rodgers, especially because he's going to be playing a lot of his games outdoors at Lambeau in the winter, um, and so you know they'll come back to earth to a degree. Uh, and if uh, you know if Josh Allen can keep keep up his passing um, and they can they continue to win games, then uh, I don't see why he shouldn't at least be in the discussion. Right now, I would put him in the second tier, um, but at seventeen to one, that's uh, that's a decent value play. Um, I would I would only kind of caveat all this with you know the, the Packers and the and the Seahawks, they have pretty easy schedules. Yeah. Uh, you know, the next it, it was Packers, especially I was shocked kind of going through my numbers and looking at who they have coming up. Like, I, you know, I thought, man, they're going to run into somebody hard at some point. And, you know, the going's going to get tougher for these guys, but they're probably going to be favored in almost every game down the stretch here. There's only a couple like, you know, at Tampa Bay, at San Francisco, where they may be close to a pick them or a little bit of an underdog. Um, but if, you know, if they just kind of keep their head down and, and keep, uh, uh, you know, they, they're going to get healthy players back too. Uh, you know, he's getting it done with guys who are, you know, moving boxes, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, not, not taking NFL snaps. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's impressive what he's, he's doing. And, uh, you know, and, and you're, you're fighting up an uphill battle with the Russell Wilson, uh, kind of media narrative too. I mean, not only do pretty much every talking head across every sports channel loves to, you know, Know, talk about how Russell Wilson's exploding statistically this year because they're passing more, um, and that's absolutely true. 
and there's also a narrative you're fighting there where he's never gotten an MVP vote before. He's clearly been a top three quarterback in the NFL going on about four years. Um, so there is going to be some some pressure to to kind of this is his time that he is due, uh, which you're fighting against. But um, you know if the Bills if the Bills shock. Uh, you know, shock the Patriots a couple times, and uh, maybe it won't even be a shock. Maybe they'll be favorites in those games, to be honest. Yeah, the Patriots. You know, I mean, they have they have some they have some question marks in terms of their overall weapons, uh, and if they're one dimensional in terms of just being able to run the football, um, Bills can definitely put some pressure on them. Um, but uh, you know, if, if I, I, you know four four games in, you're four zero. If you're the Buffalo Bills, if you can get to thirteen wins, if you can you know steal the one seed in the AFC. Um, he'll he'll be in the conversation. And there's no doubt about that. So seventeen to one isn't crazy. He is Drew Dinsick. He is at, at whale underscore capper on Twitter. He's an NFL and NBA handicapper. He co-hosts a terrific podcast called The Deep Dive. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. So thank you very much for doing this, and love to have you back on down the road. Oh, fantastic! I appreciate it. And uh, great topics. And best of luck this season. All right, thank you very much. That is Drew Dinsick, uh, the co-host of the Deep Dive podcast, amongst many other things. Let's head to the TSN 1050 control room and catch up with Al's brother because you've been following what's going on with the NHL draft, my man. I understand there have been some fireworks early. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we got to see Alex Trebek come out and make the Ottawa Senators selection, which I thought was just a beautiful touch there by the organization. And then the following pick, uh, kind of got put out of sorts. It was not Cole Perfetti like we both anticipated. It was actually <sighs> Lucas Raymond who wow. went number four to Detroit. So I was right. He did go under five and a half. So I did win on that bet. But in order to win on that bet, I unfortunately had to fall in my Perfetti one. So... Yeah, it's been a tough, uh, tough night for for myself. To be perfectly honest, I'm uh, I had Stutzla going two, I had Perfetti going four. So hopefully the rest of this evening brings some better luck for myself. And I'm on Miami plus the seven and a half points tonight. I think with Bam Adebayo back, he's going to make a significant impact. I think he's a lot closer to being a hundred percent than we thought previously. Goran Dragic, even in limited minutes, can make a significant impact for them. And I think they'll get a big boost heading into Game Four, perhaps perhaps even steal it on the money line. It has been an absolute pleasure, as always, to bring this program to you. For Al's brother, I'm Aaron Korolnik. You've been listening to The Edge.